Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. and here as always with Coach Brian Barnes. And today we are joined by uh, Coach Lauren Granger of Battle Creek Central. Welcome to the show, Coach. Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation. As always, I'm extremely excited about promoting high school football in the state of Michigan and uh, appreciate the opportunity to do that with you guys and, and love what you're doing and appreciate being here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Coach Barnes. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And you know what, uh, Tom, welcome to actually very often. Um, in fact, we ran the wing tea at Battle Creek Central when I was an assistant coach and we did really well with it. But a lot of times we were the only ones in a conference running that, you know. So that's me sounding like an ig- ignorant Metro Detroiter, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but no, we, you know, we we go against some great coaches over here that do a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we run the gamut, everything from split back veer to spread teams that run RPO stuff. And as a defensive coordinator, defensive play caller, we've had to adapt our game. Uh, any defensive coaches listening will know that we have to do things differently than we did 10 years ago because of the way that offenses have evolved and the options that they give. And, you know, all of that stuff has changed. The way we line up is different. The way we disguise our coverages is different. The um, the responsibilities that we give our kids is different. The reads are different. I mean, everything has changed. And if you don't continue to do that, you will continue to get beat because offensive coordinators just continue to get better and better. We're very blessed with, with one of the best, I think, offensive coordinators around in Casey Bess. Played quarterback for us in that 2003 season, my first year at Central. And he's just a a great offensive mind and he challenges us in practice every single day to be our best. And I really truly think that, you know, we were, we were number one defense in our conference this year. And I think that our offense is a big reason for that. We, we go at each other in practice. We start 22 players, uh, 11 different kids on offense, 11 different kids on defense, and we go ones versus one every day. And I really think that helps us elevate our game. And it challenges us on the defensive side of the ball to be different, do different, and, and evolve as the game evolves. How, how big is your high school, enrollment-wise? We're a Division two high school. We've got 1,250 kids right now. But we have been as big as 2,000 kids. So we've been Division one. We dropped all the way down at one time to Division three. And now we're back into division two. We've started to gain some students back. So that's been good for our community, good for our high school, but we've lost a lot of kids overall. You know, we're, we're the, we're the school in the city that, you know, in, in the surrounding area has the bad reputation. We're the one, we're the school that nobody wants to send their kids to. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because if you spend any time in our high school, we have a great high school. We have great teachers. We have great kids. We have great course offerings. We have dual enrollment for kids to go to Kellogg Community College for free. There's just a lot of benefits to being a student at Battle Creek Central. And, but nevertheless, we've lost enrollment. You know, Kellogg's had a lot to do with that. A lot of, a lot of Kellogg's jobs moved out of Battle Creek. Those people just moved out of state and they're just not here anymore. But uh, 1250 and one of the smaller, I say, one of the smaller D2 teams that there is being that we're kind of teetering on that D3 level, but class a high school and plenty of kids to choose from anyway isn't that funny that like i feel like nowadays with with high with high schools in general um it's a perception battle you know i mean we're 
we're a private school, but we're smaller and we always fight the perception that, you know, Warren De La Salle, you know, offers more than we do, right? Or Birmingham Brother Rice offers something that we that we don't kind of think. And that's always a perception battle. And that's unfortunate, right? Because I mean, I'm, I'm sure like there are a lot of good high schools that battle the same thing, but for whatever reason, um, you know, that's, that's unfortunately the perception. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, being able to transfer changed, it changed everything. You know, 20 years ago, it really wasn't a problem, even though it was a thing. But today, the kids' ability to transfer from one school to another and to choose, you know, in our city, for example, we have 50,000 people, but we have five high schools that play high school football in the city of Battle Creek. So there's a lot of choices. And we're all within five miles of each other. There's one right next door to us. So, you know, kids, kids have choices. As a coach, you're challenged to do things to keep kids excited and engaged in your program and in your school district district in general, because they do have choices. Parents have choices. They can take their kids wherever they want now, especially when they come into ninth grade. So you really got to do things on purpose to keep people in your community engaged in your program, or you're probably going to lose them to somebody else. You know, one of the, one of the schools that came in to talk to me about one of our kids, he told me that, um, like their their concern with the way the transfer portal is at their level is that as soon as they have success, like they're going to lose some kids who think they're better than they are. You know what I mean? And going to want to go play at Alabama or Georgia or wherever. So it's like a, that's a battle just to keep their own, you know, um, which is pretty wild yeah. to me. Like you said, 20 years ago, you wouldn't even think anything like this, but it's pretty wild. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a portal. And fortunately, we don't have a portal necessarily in high school, but it's not that hard. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that hard to go to one high school one year and go to a different high school another year. And that stuff is happening all over the place. We're not the only ones that deal with that problem. Um, but it is it is one of those things you just I wouldn't really call it a problem. I, I, I think that in a way it forces us as coaches of programs and leaders of programs to remain engaged in the things that keep kids engaged and interested in your program. But at the same time, you just kind of always feel like you're in a juggling act about what kids are going to end up in your school and what ones won't. And if you, you know, if you upset some people, you, you know, you got to be thinking about, you know, what will their recourse be? It's so quick for parents now to say, well, you know, I think things are going to be better over here. So I'm going to take my kid over here. And, uh, you know, hey, sometimes it is better for, for those kids. But, you know, a lot of times you have to wonder if just running the other direction isn't is is doing the kids a disservice. You know, what happens when things get tough in their marriage or with their kids or with their job? You know, you can't just up and walk away from all those things. And, you know, as men, and this is a great thing about the game of football, as men, we have a responsibility to those things and making sure that we carry out our responsibilities. And that's one of the things we teach our kids. And that whole element of being able to transfer from one school to another just makes that a little bit more difficult. But that's, you know, that's why they need our game. Yeah. Coach, so with, with that said, how, how do you kind of um, understand your role as, as, as a high school football coach now in this, this like new world order of, of kids just like, you know, the, the school of choice and such? Like you kind of touched over it, but, but I wonder if you can go a, a bit deeper on, on what is your role of, of not only just coaching these kids, but, but getting them to stay and getting them to be engaged. Is it, it only like you can only do so much or are you really trying to expand your role as where, where it's more than, than just coaching on, on the field and really trying to, 
like mold the, these these young kids' lives to the point where they want to stay with you. And then other people hear those stories and, you know, word of mouth and such, and, and they want to come and play for you. You know, how, how does your role expand in, in, in this uh, area? Well, first of all, I think if, if you're the kind of person in anything that you do that says, hey, I can only do so much, you lose. So, you know, we challenge ourselves as football coaches, as head coaches, especially to always be thinking of the next thing that we can do. There's always something more that we can do. There's always something more that someone else is doing that we could learn from. We have to continue to learn from those things and do better for ourselves and for our programs. But as far as our role goes, we're not just football coaches anymore. We're mentors, we're counselors, we're, we help them schedule their classes. You know, one of the things that we really focus on hard in our high school is, you know, not every senior has to go to college, but they all have to have a plan. When they leave our high school, you know, our, our district promotes college ready, career ready, they say these things to the community and it's part of our responsibility to take their kids and make sure that they have a plan for when they graduate high school. And it doesn't have to be go to college, but it has to be something to where they can be productive in the community outside of the high school. And, you know, we just want to make sure that when they leave us, they know what their next step is. So, you know, we're, we obviously every kid when they come into high school thinks they're going to be a college football player someday. Well, I guess, you know, some kids don't, but most kids say that's what I want to do. And a lot of them, you know, are, are, they just think that that's their future and it's not always, we do a really good job of placing our kids that want to play college football and doing so. I would say in the city of Battle Creek, we send more kids to play college football than any other school. And, and I would, and, I would stand by that, but not every kid wants to do that. So we have to, we have to be involved with community partners who own businesses so that we can help kids set up internships. We have to be involved with our community college so that kids can go there and take classes to learn a trade. You know, some of them want to go be electricians or builders. Uh, we have to be involved with community partners with the nonprofit organizations that kids can do service throughout the time of their high school years to find out the things that they like and they don't like and really quite honestly to see some of the things that they like and don't like with regards to the way that some people have to live their lives because they didn't have a plan so we're we're constantly in search of activities like that that our kids can be involved in we're constantly talking to kids about the classes they're taking and how it relates to their opportunities to go to college, if that's what they choose to do. You know, those are all things that we as football coaches have to be doing outside the white lines in order to make sure that our kids feel like there's value in the program. Not every kid is going to step onto the football field and be a superstar. So if you got, you know, we had 52 kids on our varsity football team this year, probably 35 of those got meaningful playing time or less. So you have 15 kids who really are just, they're part of the team. They're working just as hard as everybody else, but they're not getting the reward inside those white lines and making plays and having highlight tapes and that sort of thing. Those kids have to feel like they're getting value out of your program somehow. 
And those are just things that we do to make sure that those kids walk away from our program and say, hey, I was really glad that I was part of Battle Creek Central football. It taught me this. It taught me that. And, you know, we tell them 10 years from now, nobody's really going to remember or even care how many snaps you played when you were out on the team. You're going to tell stories about the games you won, about the experiences that you had. And you're going to tell those stories. You know, you stand around having a drink, telling those stories with each other. And everybody's going to remember that as one unit. And nobody's going to say, yeah, but you only played three plays a game. So those are just things that we, we have to, we have to work toward getting kids to understand and seeing value in the other things that happen in the program. Yeah. So we just, um, a couple of weeks ago, coach, we, we finished up our, uh, winter circle coaching clinic, uh, Lansing. Um, I, I mean, I'm kind of biased, but I thought it, it went very well. Uh, I know coach Prattley said that, uh, he said we were getting anywhere from 2000 to 2,500 coaches up there or that were registered, which is awesome. Um, what is your take from the session overall? Um, you know, I, I saw some awesome speakers. I saw a lot of guys networking, um, fantastic banquet again, um, great social period at the, you know, at the very end. And, uh, just an awesome, awesome thing. One thing I, I I'm gonna, you know, I've been pushing for it. I might have mentioned it to you. I think it'd be really cool if we had like a, like an aspiring head coach session, almost like a panel type thing for maybe some young coaches to help them answer some questions that may they might have, you know, about, you know, wanting to be a head coach, you know, and some of our experience that, that we've had as a head coach. But overall, general impressions. You know, what what was your feeling about uh, how things went? I think the clinic is an amazing experience. And I think if there's any coaches listening to this that have not been to that clinic, I really encourage you to check it out. It's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. We have wonderful speakers at that clinic. And I mean, some of the biggest name coaches in the, in the, in the country in history of the game of football have spoken at our clinic and, you know, every year, we challenge ourselves in the coaches association to make sure that we put on a clinic that offers something bigger than the year before. So yeah, this year, the registration was higher than it's ever been. It's amazing to have almost 2,500 coaches registered. Now we have 2,500 coaches registered, but not all 2,500 of those coaches actually checked in and attended sessions. And so I think it's a challenge to all of us to try and expand and make sure that all those guys do do that because there's so much value. You know, we, we're, a, we are a state historically that in my experience anyway, has been really great about sharing with each other. And, you know, when we, when we compile the speakers that are going to speak at that clinic, we don't even really start asking until after the second round of the playoffs, because, we want to make sure that the guys that are having success right now have an opportunity to share what they're doing with everyone else in the state. And it's amazing to me because I'm, I'm the guy that schedules the speakers. And, and so I'm the one reaching out to people and saying, Hey, are you willing to share? And it's amazing to me how many are willing to do that because they don't have to do that. And, you know, there's, there are guys out there that think that what they're doing is so unique that they don't want to share it because they're, you know, then they're afraid they're going to have to get better themselves or something. I'm not sure. But for the most part, the guys in this state are really great about the camaraderie with each other, sharing with each other, challenging each other to be better. I mean, I would like to share every little thing that I know with even my closest competitors 
because if they know that it's going to challenge me to expand my knowledge of the game and get better at what I do. And, and I think a lot of the coaches in the state of Michigan really see it that way. The one thing about the clinic that really struck me this year, though, we have 650 schools that play football in the state of Michigan and less than 200 of those schools were represented in that enrollment that we just talked about. So imagine if all 600 and some schools in our state had just one coach that attended our clinic and the representation that we would have, because our clinic is not just educational. Our clinic is, is also an opportunity for the board and for our membership to meet, to suggest, suggest changes to our game and uh, give awards to the coaches who work really hard to make sure that we have success year in and year out. And, you know, some of the schools that haven't been involved in that clinic in the past, I think really need to engage and get involved because there are people that work hard in those organizations that deserve that type of recognition. They deserve that type of camaraderie. Um, you know, they deserve to build those relationships with other coaches around the state. Quite frankly, none of us really know when our last day is going to be at the school that we're at now. So we have to be networking on a continual basis because we're not quite like college football where, where guys have to be challenged to always know what their next job's going to be. But we do have the challenge of making sure that we're doing the best for kids all the time. Sometimes we need that network of people for our next job or for our next strategy. And I really think, you know, I would really challenge anybody who's listening who's never been to that clinic, you need to go. It's the first big event that happens after our season's over. I mean, I'll say everybody's there, but what I really mean by that is the best of the best are there. So why wouldn't you want to be part of it? I, you know, I look back, <clears throat> some of my closest coaching friends I've met over the years, I've met at that clinic, you know, and we've just carried on over the years and, uh, you know, exchange ideas or, or just, you know, like I said, just became really good friends. It's, um, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. And, you know, what's really great, too, is we've started to pull from other states. We had coaches all from all of the connecting states at our clinic this year registered from Illinois, Indiana, Ohio that attended in person. So if we're offering value that's enough to pull those guys from other states, I certainly think that everybody in our state should be involved. Yeah. Coach, can you talk about the the process of, of picking and, and reaching out to um, some of the mainstream speakers that, that you have, I, 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 I attended last year and then th this year and the, and the speaker lineup is phenomenal. Um, I know last year, obviously highlighted by Nick Saban, he couldn't, you know, actually fly in for whatever reason, but just getting to hear him, him talk what, what was awesome. Um, you know, that was last year. And then this year, obviously some great coaches. How, how do you just, you know, kind of decide, uh, you know, for, for your, uh, you know, your, your, your um, main event speakers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our, our main event guys, you know, we try to make sure that we have big name guys in there on the, on the keynote stage, just because when they speak, that's the only thing happening at, at that time. If we have a thousand chairs in the room, we want every one of them to be full, you know? So, you know, coach Saban obviously is, is one of the most heralded colleges, college football coaches ever. Um, yeah. And, and he actually was going to fly in until the morning of the event, or that actually would have been the day before because he was speaking in the morning. And, you know, they played for a national championship and they lost to Georgia. 
And just like we talked about earlier with the transfer portal, the thing that happened to him was, you know, he woke up in the morning and nine of his players had hit the transfer portal before he even knew what had happened. You know, he had two coaches that, that got jobs somewhere else. And the timing of our clinic is, is such that, you know, the national championship is played on a Monday and our clinic is that Thursday. So three days after the national championship game, we were asking coach Saban to fly to Lansing and speak at our clinic. And he agreed to do it and he agreed to do it for free. So I think number one, you know, if you're a high school football coach, you should be proud of that because guys like that want to come to our state because we produce players and when they're willing to do it for free, that's a testament to the job that we're doing in the state of Michigan with, with the the development of our players. So, you know, he, he called that afternoon and he just said, Hey, you know, I'm in a situation here. I need to be on campus because I have kids that are freaking out, you know, coaches that have, taking other jobs. I've got kids in the transfer portal. I've got damage control that I need to do here today. And, and I just can't, I can't fly in. Is there any way that, you know, we can do this on zoom. And so that's why it happened that way. But the process to your question of asking those guys is, you know, I, I learned a lesson when I was a little kid, I was playing in the, in the yard and, and my grandma dropped off my little brother and he gets out of the car. We were, we were very poor back then. And he gets out of the car and he's carrying two big old bags of clothes that my grandma had bought for him at the mall. He's just trotting up to the house. I'm like, how in the world did you get all that stuff? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders, walked by me. And he said, all you got to do is ask. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And so I've carried that lesson that my little brother taught me for my whole life. And I, I operate at this moment with an all you got to do is ask kind of attitude. So the process is I identify the coaches that are doing the best job at that time at any level of football. I mean, obviously not NFL because they're still playing when we do our clinic, but high school, we've had middle school coaches speak and youth coaches speak uh, college level. If they're doing a really great job, I figure all you got to do is ask. And so I reach out to those guys, you know, usually you know, through recruiting of my own kids, I've built a really large network of college coaches that I'm able to reach out to. I really got to give a huge shout out to Rod Odin on this topic because he also, uh, well, I shouldn't even say also, he's done an even better job than I have of developing players and moving them on to the next level. So his network is even bigger than mine. And he and I meet along with Kyle McElvaney from Monroe St. Mary's. And we discuss among the three of us who we'd like to invite to the clinic. And some of the guys that come are, they're just, I don't even really know him that well, but Rod has a really great contact. Sometimes it's Kyle that has a really great contact. And so we just kind of, the three of us, we just kind of attack who we want in that given year and see if we can pull them in. And there's not a lot of times that guys will tell us no unless they have conflicts, you know, with the college football world, they have conflicts with recruiting. Sometimes they're just, they're just not able to be in Michigan during that time period. Cause it's the first, it's also the first weekend that's open for them to go travel and recruit. So the ones that do come, 
also we should be very proud of the job we're doing in Michigan because that means they're taking time away from the lifeblood of their own program to be here talking to the Michigan football coaches. You know, Mike Loxley from Maryland was here uh, this year. Chris Leopold from uh, Kansas was here this year. Uh, Matt Mitchell took time away from Grand Valley State to speak on our main stage. And then, of course, you know, Tony Anise, uh, national champion at Fair State, was on the main stage, and Jason Couch won the MIAA championship. And the first playoff game in Alma College history this year, so they, those guys all spoke on our main stage. And they all have the same challenge. You know, they're trying to recruit for their program, and um, but, they, but they gave their time to us. And then, you know, not to mention 50 of the top high school football coaches in the entire country that came and spoke and donated their time to our association and to our members. We had coach, we had high school coach all the way from Texas this year. We've had a California, Arizona, and Iowa, everything in between Florida. And some of those guys don't even ask us for much, you know, we we pay the guys a really small stipend to speak during those sessions. And sometimes that's all they get, you know, no travel allowance or anything. So it's just a, it's a great fraternity of guys who want to give back to the game, give back to their fellow coaches. And we're really, we're really excited about the clinic. Yeah. Coach, tell me about your, um, your current role within our association. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, what you're on, um, uh, if there's any other committee you're on um, and like, I'm excited about the future of the association and everything we're doing to grow the game of football. So if you could just talk about your role a little bit and um, go from there. Well, my role really, you know, for 20 years, I've helped with the clinic back when, when Al Slammer, who was, was my head coach at one time was, was clinic director. I helped him with the speakers back then um, I've helped out vendors and that kind of thing. So I'm not the clinic chair though. Jerry Rabideau is, mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad he is. Cause I don't know that I'd want to do that job, but he does a really great job of really directing the clinic and, and making sure that, you know, things are set up the way they need to be and promoting it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm really, really, I love working for Jerry Rabideau and, um, I've been on the board of directors over the years, I've ha I've been off it for a few years now, but um, just recently accepted the CFO position. So I'll be doing that um, for the foreseeable future. And not really sure at this moment, because I'm just now in the transition period. I just got voted in at the clinic in January, what all that will entail. But I do have a financial services background in my real life. I'm not actually a teacher anymore. I do insurance and financial planning and, and uh, so I think, you know, my skill set will, will hopefully help me push the agenda of the coaches association forward and really um, get me back involved at the board level with the, some of the things that go on in order to promote football in Michigan. What are the, what are the main goals of the coaches association? Um, is it just to build a network and like a camaraderie amongst coaches or, or is there, is there a deeper um, level of, of um, importance to the, the coaches association? Yeah. So our mission is to promote football in the state of Michigan. Pretty simple. Um, but within that, there's a lot of different layers that we really get involved in 
you know, safety has been a super hot topic and it is right now of the game. So we do a lot of things to promote things that we can be doing as coaches to make sure that we're teaching the game safely and understanding the risks that kids are taking when they play it and how to not really eliminate the risk, but mitigate those so they're minimized as much as possible. The association does a great job of partnering with folks who can teach us things about concussions and, and brain health and overall health. You know, there's always elements uh, at the clinic, there's always elements of physical strength and conditioning and how to, how to, how to help an athlete's body evolve to reduce it, uh, the risk of injury. And so that's a big push in the association. Education in general is a big push in the association. Youth football is, you know, one of the, it's the lifeblood of our level of football. So we really do a lot to promote youth football throughout the state. Um, our big thing really with, with regards to promoting the game itself is the recognition of our players because without our players, we don't have a game. And so we do things like we have an all state team. We have an all region team. We have a dream team. We have an all-star game. All of those things are just designed to recognize the players that play our great game in the state. And, and then on top of that recognition programs for the coaches, um, that work so hard and the support staff within those programs that work so hard to make sure those games happen on Friday nights. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, we have a really close relationship with the MHSAA and that helps us communicate at that level about changes that we should be made to our rules, changes that we should be made that we think should be made to our playoff system. And you know, a lot of the things that have happened over the years that have been very positive for our game were because of the efforts of the Coaches Association, putting that in front of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. And then, you know, if we do a good job putting a proposal together of what we think should happen in our game, and they don't have to do a lot of thinking or planning, uh, then they're more likely to accept what we want and move forward with it. So we've made some changes to our playoff system over the years. Those have all been by the suggestion of the coaches association. We've made changes to rules um, with regards to our off season activities and what we can do and what we can't do with, with the MHSAA. Those have been some positive changes. And we're still working on some of those things, you know, so that's, that's just another area, you know, if, if you're, if you're a coach that does a lot in the off season and you, and you feel like you've been limited on what you can do, and what you can't do, those are all agendas that we talk about. And they're all things that come in front of the Michigan high school athletic association. And we really push for those things and they really listen to us. So uh, Mark Ewell is the executive director there. And he's a, he's a big supporter of high school football in Michigan and of course, Brad Bush, who was a longtime coach at Chelsea High School and their athletic director, just accepted a job with the MHSAA. So we feel really good about the position and the relationship that we have with the MHSAA and the, and the, the way that that will help promote the game in the future. We, uh, you know, Tom and I are proud of, you know, we're really trying to promote the game with, with our podcast here. Um, and, and so I'm with you. We're excited about that. And 
Nick Merlot from Stony Creek and I, we, we have the, the pleasure of, um, you, you know, promoting our, our girls flag football initiative throughout the state yeah. of Michigan. And, uh, we, we had a chance, you know, we took some girls from our school and played some girls from his school last year, kind of a state championship thing we called it, which was really neat. And, you know, now we've, we've had discussion with um, the Detroit Lions and their education division, um, you know, about how they can be involved and see if we can grow that, you know, every spring and, and play some games down out there for Ford Field. There, you know, he was telling me the, my, uh, you know, one of the, members of the Lions organization was saying that there are over 30 NAI schools, you know, nationally that offer scholarship money for girls flag football. And, and that's awesome. You know, and, and I mean, anything you can do to promote the game and get people involved is, uh, is good, you know, and bringing a different dynamic. So it's really cool. Um, I have three daughters, you know, they're involved. It's, it's a lot of fun. So it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty cool stuff. So we're talking with uh, coach Lauren Granger from battle Creek central high school on uh, inside the coaches podcast. Coach, we appreciate you coming on tonight. This has been an awesome conversation. I know, um, you know, we're getting close to about 40 minutes and we've, I mean, I'm sure we could talk for 40 more minutes. Um, this, this has been really good stuff. Um, Tom, do you have anything else you'd like to ask coach before we get to our, 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 my favorite part of the podcast? Yeah. Well, I do got one question and it's kind of for both you coaches, um, especially now with the DeMar Hamlin situation, um, Football seems to football is always under attack, right? For being violent. And when you guys talk about, you know, how to make the game safer and, and, and bringing the, the youth, the, the, the youth organizations are really the lifeblood of, of, of all of football, because if it doesn't start at the youth, it's, I mean, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna end, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you guys keep parents, from being too worried um, about the safety of their children and, and, and keep them engaged in the game of football. And, and how do you get these young parents to, to believe that football is safe, especially when time and again, there's stories of, you know, of injuries and, you know, and, and, and just, you know, things like that, where it seems that football is, Unless you love it, you there's people that think it's just too violent and and shouldn't even be played. Um, I mean, as as somebody who loves football, that that scares me. Um, but I don't know if if there's a way to to combat the the fear as as time goes on, especially with young parents who are just concerned about keeping their kids safe and and think that football is just too dangerous. How do you guys combat that as, as coaches? Well, I think the big thing for us as coaches is that we have to recognize that the game is bigger than what happens on the field. There's risk involved in anything that you do with your kids. And sometimes you take those risks because you know that the, the opportunity for reward is, is bigger and better than the risk that you're taking. There's never going to be a situation where we're going to be able to look at parents and say, Hey, there's no risk of injury or anything in the game of football. There's, it's just always going to be there. But what we have to do is we have to continue to communicate with our parents and, and make sure that they understand 
that we're pushing more things within the game than just the collision that happens when we put on the equipment and the whistle blows. You know, we can do things as coaches to make sure that those risks are minimized by making sure that our players are prepared for the game physically, mentally, before they even play it. So off-season training is a really huge way to make sure that kids' bodies are ready for the collisions that happen in the game. Our nutrition, the way that we treat our bodies, what we put into them is another way. Those are things that we have to we have to teach our kids sometimes and even our parents sometimes about what we should be eating, what we should be putting in our bodies and what we shouldn't. You know, our kids are exposed to a lot of different things as teenagers. You know, there's smoking, there's drinking, there's vaping, there's there's all these things that kids have the opportunity to put in their body. And then on top of all that stuff, you know, there's performance enhancing drugs, there's steroids, there's, you know, I mean, just things that are actually legal, like creatine and protein. And if you don't know how those things affect your body and you don't understand the risks that are associated with those things, then, you know, that all can lead toward situations where kids are getting hurt on the football field or any other field for that matter. I mean, there are more injuries that happen in the game of soccer than there is in the game of football overall. But, you know, those, those considerations really don't happen if you aren't in continual communication with your kids and with your parents. And I think that, you know, for, for me, when, when parents see that I care about how our kids are eating and I care about how our kids are sleeping and I care about how they're preparing their bodies in the weight room for the season. I care about how their bodies are conditioned before we put equipment on them. You know, then the parents are saying, oh, well, there's a risk associated with playing this game. This coach does a really good job of making sure that my kids are minimizing that risk as much as possible. And so I think it's really important as coaches that we accept that challenge because, I mean, let's face it, there's coaches out there that really don't do those things and inherently increase the risk that their kids could see injury on the field. And then there's things, I mean, the DeMar Hanlon case, I don't know what caused that to happen with his heart, but there's some things you just aren't going to be able to stop. You're just not going to be able to control, you know, and I don't, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't a, religious belief podcast and i'm not here to press on anybody's religious beliefs but god has a plan for all of us you know and we can't stop that the only thing that we can do is make sure that we maximize the opportunities that we have in life and with everything that we do there's going to be risk there's also going to be reward and i think the game of football teaches our kids a lot about how to be a great person how to be a great teammate how to face adversity and overcome it. And I just think, you know, I'm, I, I have boys. I, I know coach Barnes mentioned he had girls. They say the great football coaches have girls and I don't have any girls. So I guess I can't ever be great. I have, <laughs> I have two boys. 
uh, one of my boys plays football, the other one chose not to. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, for me, the challenge then is how does, how does the one that chose not to play football get all of those things? How do they, how do they face adversity and learn how to overcome? How do they learn how to be a great teammate? You know, all of those things, I find other sports for them to be involved in, other opportunities for them to be involved in to learn those things. But I think football does a good job of teaching all that stuff, and I think there's great reward in it. Yeah, yeah, Coach, I, I agree 100% with what Coach said, and there really isn't much more I have to say, you know, other than, um, you know, we unfortunately have an incident at our school where we had a couple basketball kids tear their ACL in practice, right? Like, that's obviously not as extreme as what happened to DeMar Hamlin, obviously. But um, point being, like like Coach said, there there's risks in everything we do. And we've, over the years, the, the game has gotten a lot safer with the way, you know, the equipment is, the way we teach tackling, the way we teach blocking, the way we condition, like Coach was saying. So um, the pros yeah. definitely – the pros definitely outweigh the cons in our, in, in our game. And um, I, w- I would never tell a parent, you know, I would never try to downplay their feelings or their concerns because it's, it's very natural. Um, you know, you, you, when you have concerns or when you have kids, you know, you want what's best for them. But um, at the end of the day, we, as coaches, we're doing everything we can to, you know, make the game safe and, um, you know, and, and go from there and continue to grow it. Let me say this too. The advancements that we have made, both as coaches and as emergency personnel in our response time to those situations has saved lives. And, you know, thank goodness DeMar Hamlin was on a football field when that happened because it probably saved his life. And that's something that a lot of people haven't talked about, but the emergency personnel and their reaction and the, the timing of that reaction probably kept that man alive. And, you know, I know that that's an NFL stadium and they have way more medical personnel than a high school does and probably more equipment too. I'm sure more equipment, but you know, many of us have been very blessed with the, with athletic trainers that work with our kids on a daily basis and are trained to recognize the signs of things that will, that could lead to injury or, or, damage to their you know their brain and that sort of thing and and I don't know about you guys but ours does a phenomenal job at that and you know when you when you as a parent consider the risk that your child takes in playing a sport there's also comfort in in knowing that if something does happen there's people on site that are trained to help and to you know perform life-saving measures you know we all you guys know we all have to be CPR certified now. We have to be trained in how to use an AED. And those are things, you know, those are things that even five years ago, I think, didn't have to be true. And so, you know, Wes Leonard from Fenville High School, when he collapsed at his basketball game, um, you know, they, they didn't have an AED in their gym. And maybe that could have saved Wes's life. And by the way, I'm just going to put a plug for the West Leonard Foundation. If y'all are operating and don't have an AED at your football field or with your athletic trainer, go check out their website because they have a program where they actually donate AEDs to schools. And they're, you know, West Leonard is living on through those efforts. And, you know, what a great resource we have here in the state of Michigan. 
Coach, awesome. Thanks again, uh, you know, for being here. Uh, what is your, Coach, what is your Twitter handle that uh, you could give out to our listeners in case, you know, they want to follow you or reach out to you for a question or, you know, like we said, just build a connection and, you know, as, we're, as we try to network here. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at BCC Granger. Uh, that's my Twitter handle, at BCC Granger. It's also my Facebook name, BCC Granger. BCC stands for Battle Creek Central, and my last name's Granger, so just kind of roll with that. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to network with anybody that wants to reach out. Um, always looking to, to talk football. I could sit here for two more hours if you wanted to. I don't know what your time frame is, but, okay. you know, this, this is a great game. It's given me some amazing experiences and it's allowed me to find some really amazing experiences for my players too. So anything we can do to promote high school football in the state of Michigan, I really appreciate what you guys are doing because I know that that's a great effort. Yeah, you got it. So the, the final thing we, we like to ask our guests is, um, is there a specific tradition um, that's unique to Coach Granger? Or, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a special drill that you do. It could be a special chant that your kids do. It could be something special shout out that you do at a banquet. You know, is there something special and unique to Coach Granger that over the years you've, um, you think is really cool, you continue to do, or you just have fond memories of? Well, you know, it's kind of evolved over time. But when I very first took over as head football coach at Battle Creek Central, I thought we had a division problem. We had, it seemed to me, kind of two sides of not just our football team, but of our school in general. And, you know, we're a really diverse school. We have, uh, we have, a, we have a large African-American population, but also uh, our, a fair amount of white kids. Uh, we have a large Burmese population in our school. We have a huge Hispanic population. Battle Creek Central is, is kind of a melting pot of people. And I like to say it doesn't matter who you are, there's probably someone else just like you in our high school. And so when, when I took over as head coach, the whole theme was, was we are one. And um, we've, we've evolved that over time into what we say now is L3. L3 stands for uh, uh, love, loyalty, and then just that thing that you have in your belly that just kind of drives you to want to be the best that you can be every day. And so um, we we preach that to our kids, the, the whole thing about being one. And that's kind of unique, I think, to Coach Granger, but... Um, you know, I'm sure in in every high school football program, those things are are present, and uh, and so I don't know if it's really all that unique, but that's just kind of the theme that we roll with, and and we want to leave a legacy when we're all done playing. That's the third L, by the way, love, loyalty, and legacy, and that's just kind of maybe unique to Battle Creek Central, just those three things and that little phrase that we have. It's cool. It's perfect. We appreciate it, coach. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, another another good one, man. Like yeah, we, this is fun. It's, it's good stuff. We love talking football, man. High school football is the best. But uh well, all right, fellas. Um well, I just coach Granger. Yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. And um again, thanks for uh being part of putting on uh such, such a great clinic. Um 
I know uh, I can probably speak for Coach Barnes when I say we had we, we had a great time out there, um, you know, the past two years. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it again next year. And uh, but before that, we're, we're looking forward to uh, you know a lot of good high school football coming up, starting with the uh, the high school all star game, which um, we're going to get to talk about here uh, in the coming months here. So um, that's the next thing to look forward to. Um, so uh, for Coach Granger and Coach Barnes, my name is Tom Murphy Jr. And this has been another episode of Inside the Coach's Office. Good night. Thanks, guys.